Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. And so today, I just have a lot of thoughts. And so I'm just going to kind of talk. You know, when I was thinking about a particular topic for the day, uh, a, a lot of things crossed my mind. And so instead of just trying to pick one, I decided that I would just kind of share maybe just an update of how how things are going you know as this is being recorded we are 10 days into the year 2022 and um i can honestly say that i feel a very significant shift in how i am existing in the world now this shift has nothing to do with the calendar year flipping over But it does have a lot to do with the intentionality that I had leading up to my 40th birthday. And I talked considerably on the podcast about my endeavors to clean out my clothing closet and my relationship closet so that uh, as I moved into my new year, that I would only have things in my closets that were authentically me at this time. Um, So I'm happy to report that I did clean out my closet. Now all the things I took out of my closet are sitting on the bench at the end of my bed, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Part of the challenge is there's some, I don't know what I want to do with them. I, I have no desire to keep them, but I am not sure if, uh, I would ideally like to identify someone specifically who could use or would like the clothing. Um, I don't know if I want to, you know, um, give them away traditionally to maybe a um, St. Vincent de Paul or Goodwill. I often think about the challenges for women who wear plus size clothing, or people who wear plus size clothing in general. And, uh, Yeah, so I don't know. I'm still figuring out how to or where I want to get rid of those things. I know I have a couple of really nice uh, formal dresses that I'm going to be holding on to until people are back in school and their dances and prom. I know it was a challenge for me finding dresses that were appealing and yet affordable. So that's that. But when I say that I feel different, that I'm showing up in the world differently, um, Some of it is hard to explain Uh, as I stay in tune and attuned to my body. I recognize some shifts, but there have been some tangible examples of how I'm showing up differently in the world that I would like to share. So I was able to uh, share that ease is the guiding principle for 
uh, the foreseeable future for me. Maybe it's a year, maybe it's longer. I don't know. But ease in and of itself was a word that I felt was divinely given to me. And then turned out to be an acronym. And so ease, abundance, soar, and elevate. And as I have been 10 short days, well, actually for me, about 13 days into uh, these guiding principles, I've had a number of opportunities to really put those things to work. And by put them to work, I just simply mean being able to reflect on, does this lead me in the direction that I'm trying to go, which is ease, abundance, soaring, and elevating. And so one example is uh, someone, and I'm pretty sure that I shared this already as I start talking about it. So this might be a slight repeat, but um, someone had emailed me asking me to do something for a contract. And no, <laughs> it, it there was something happening in my body that was like, mm, nope, this doesn't feel like this is ours to do. This doesn't feel like it's ease. And that person responded and it was it was taken care of. It was fine. So I did share that. I remember now. So that felt really good. Um, then I had another opportunity where someone um, prof- I was in professional in a professional relationship with, um, and I provide services for. And on one hand, one of the services I provide, I I view it as pro bono. Um, it pays very little. And so when I agree to provide this service, I am not doing it because of the pay. I am actually consciously telling myself this is not going to make me money. So do I still want to do it? And it aligned with the mission of labors of love. And um, I was committed to doing it. But this entity also wanted me to provide an additional service, um, a training. And I made myself clear that um, I had done a training for this entity in the past and had been given less than my rate. So I was clear that I would be charging my full rate this time. And what happens with me oftentimes when I'm training, particularly with nonprofits, is that the people who are uh, connecting with my work, the people who value my work, are not often the people who are making the decisions about uh, who can come in and do work or how much that person gets paid. So this person went back to those who make decisions to tell them my rate and um, essentially came back and sent me an email and said, hey, I would love to talk to you about this particular training. Here are some days that work. If these days don't work, um, let me know some days that work for you. And in the very same way that I felt my body provide information when I got the email from the other person who wanted me to do more, you know, provide more information, I felt that same thing in my body. So it caused me to pause and I'm like, um, no, because I had already talked to this person about the content of the training that I would be doing. So in order, if they wanted to have a conversation, it would just be about the fee. And I began to realize that 
either they were going to pay my fee or they weren't. That yes or no didn't require a conversation because again, me figuring out a time that works is time. Me having this conversation is time and time is my greatest commodity. It's something that I cannot get back. It's not regenerative and I take it very preciously. And so um, I sent an email that pretty much said, um, well, and I was on technically on vacation still and I will be coming back to a busy schedule. Can we do this via email? But also saying I'd like to share that essentially my training rate is non-negotiable. And I just want to share that like when I sent that email, my littles were going kind of crazy. Not all of them and not as crazy as it was in the past. But I felt this pit in my stomach, maybe a slightly elevated heart rate. And the message my littles were communicating was, hey, um... Maybe they won't think that's nice. Hey, we can just talk to them. And I realize how much of my life I've spent trying to make sure that other people are comfortable and okay. Even if that meant me betraying myself, my intentions, my desires, my comfort, my safety, that other people's comfort trumped my safety. And so being able to gently communicate to my littles, hey, we're okay. We have a no and we have a yes. And we get to exercise both of them when we need to. So right now we're exercising our no and that's okay. And I sent the email Uh, I got a response that, you know, informed me that um, the person I was communicating with was not able to get um, my rate approved and that the most the decision makers felt comfortable offering was just a little bit over half of my rate. So I was able to respond to that email and say, thanks for the information And I'll see you when I do this other commitment. And that's when like the miraculous happened. Then I moved on with my life. (laughs) And that's, that's the gift. That's, that's the healing. That's the growth. Because before even, I think I could have mustered up the courage to send the email. But afterwards, it, it, I would have clung to the response, um, I would have felt a certain way about being offered only a little over half of my rate when I've already performed this service for this organization. And clearly my, 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 um, not even just my worth, like my skill has been demonstrated. Like I would have felt a certain way. Maybe it would have been anger or frustration. Maybe it would have been sadness or second guessing myself, but I was able to say, thanks for the information and literally move on with my life. That's huge. So I wanted to share that because I know I am not alone on this journey of growth, authenticity, and really stepping into being our full self, saying the things that need to be said. And even when we do it, there's the 
backlash of shame, guilt, frustration, fear that can come with that. And so that was such a a growth point for me that I didn't spend any more time on it, that I began to realize that someone's willingness or ability to pay my rate is completely separate from my worth and value. Those two things, they're separate. And so I just wanted to share that because I felt like that was another, you know, example of me recognizing uh, what I wanted, going for ease, not making a commitment to schedule some conversation when clearly it could have been and was accomplished uh, via email. And, and part of that is just realizing that I am not responsible for anyone else's responses, reactions, feelings, thoughts. I'm just not responsible for them. So that's a that's been a big growth moment. And I really, uh, I really love that is happening. Along that same line, um, it made me think about how all of this growth and deepening and elevating that I'm doing, it impacts relationships. And I think that's something that doesn't get talked about as much. You know, I think there's a lot of talk about being your best self and, and personal growth. But there isn't a lot of discussion that I find happening around how that impacts relationships. And I think it's, it's, it's worth spending a little bit of time there. Because the way I talk to people, especially since I'm working with people who are in relationship with one another, whether they're working on their own personal stuff, and they're just doing it in connection and community with someone else, or whether they're working on the relationship itself, because there's some kind of rupture. When one aspect or person or entity in a relationship shifts, the entire relationship itself also has to shift. Now that shift doesn't have to be positive, negative, good, bad, right or wrong, but it will. When one aspect changes, it changes things that are in relationship to it. And so what I'm beginning to realize is that no one is exempt, exempt from my growth. As I begin to increase my awareness of what I will tolerate and what I won't, aka boundaries. Once I begin to really begin to understand and be rooted in my worth, my value, identifying strengths and weaknesses and owning them all, people who are in relationship with me are going to be impacted by these, not just these discoveries, but by my execution. Um, If ease is a guiding principle for me right now, if I'm in relationship with people who create dis-ease, they're going to be impacted by my commitment to ease because that is either going to mean that uh, how they engage in the relationship with me needs to shift or... I will not be engaging in that relationship the same way. And I think those are two options, not the only two, but two options that we sometimes don't think. Sometimes when we move into our own personal growth, we start to believe that everyone else has to move 
grow or conform to our growth. And we have that expectation. It's pretty implicit. We necess- we don't necessarily say it out loud that way, but we do have this expectation that people are going to elevate with us. They're going to do those things. And when they don't, we can find ourselves frustrated, annoyed, disappointed, hurt, sad, angry. But I think it's important for us to remind ourselves that boundaries and the ones we establish have nothing to do with the other person. They're all about ourselves. So one of the hard decisions and things that come along with growth is when we begin to evaluate if we're going to remain in certain relationships and to what degree are we going to remain in those relationships. We cannot force, coerce, Um, or make anyone do their work, especially if our goal for them doing their work is just to complement or um, accommodate our growth. So sometimes we have to think, are we encouraging a person to do their own personal growth because we truly value that growth for them and we want them to have um, a better quality of life? Or are we just trying to push a person to, uh, to grow because it, it helps our trajectory. So I, I just think that's something to think about. But no person or relationship that I am in is exempt from my growth. But that often means that I am forced to make some very challenging decisions. And I've been able to identify that there are just some relationships that I'm not going to engage with as much as I did before. I don't feel guilt or shame about it. But I also don't... Um, have to get angry or justify it. The thing about the two examples that I gave about the emails and the professional relationships is that both of them were exercising my no, but I only communicated my no to one part, one of the people. So when the first email came and I was asked to do something, I didn't have to send it back and talk about how I wasn't doing more. And I just established my own no. That's going to happen in some of our relationships where we are going to pull back or we're going to shift how we engage in that relationship. And that's our decision. And, you know, we don't have to stand up on a soapbox and tell people why. Sometimes we just need to make the decision for ourselves. And then in some other relationships, we may have conversations and discourse about why things are shifting. Um, So I also wanted to share that. I also uh, was thinking about themes today, and uh, instead of making a whole podcast about it, I do want to share how movement has been so instrumental um, in my self-care and how I'm reintroducing myself to movement. As I talk about this, I want to be very clear, especially since it's the beginning of the year, that I don't want this to fall into categories of resolution or uh, new year, new me, exercise, diet, you know, there's so much. I think I will at some point do an entire episode and bring on some guests to talk about fat phobia and our uh, cultural dependence on um, thinness. 
<laughs> which is directly correlated to whiteness and white supremacy and all that stuff. But what I will say is that's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about movement, not just exercise in the traditional sense, but literally moving our bodies to discharge the things that are lodged and stuck inside of our bodies. So uh, a few, a couple of years ago, I regularly went boxing and I did not enjoy it at first, but I stayed committed to it. And I didn't enjoy it because it was hard. And, and actually, for me, what was harder than the boxing itself was the warm up. I was so like my body was so not prepared for it when I started that by the time we got through the 15 minute warm up, the 30 minute boxing, I was already like, I was already dead. <laughs> um, but I stuck with it and I really began to enjoy it. And I found that one, there was a sense of community that I uh, felt when I was boxing, but I really enjoyed the heavy bag. There was something about being able to take out um, maybe it was frustration or whatever it was on this bag. Uh, so I decided that I don't feel safe going to gyms right now with whatever X, Y, and Z variants are going on with the, with COVID-19, but also it's a time factor. There are no boxing gyms closer than 20 minutes from my home. By the time you do that, round trip and you do the exercise and you come back. It was just a lot. So I put, I bought a heavy bag, uh, and put it in my basement. And as I have been moving my body with intention, intentionality and intensity, some things that I want to share, um, about how I'm utilizing it as self care is we sometimes, um, we humanity, you know, general, we, we feel something, we have an emotional experience, maybe we have a memory uh, that takes us back to a point in our lives. And even if we wouldn't go as far as to call it trauma or traumatic, it leaves us with residual feelings, energy, and it's in our bodies. Let me give you an example. Um, I clean in order to make room for the heavy bag, we had to make space in the basement. In order to make space in the basement, we had to go through all this stuff we had in storage, which meant it was a great opportunity for us to go through the boxes instead of just what we were doing before is when we would make room for something, we would just shift the pile of boxes from one place to the other. And finally, it's like, let's actually what's in these boxes. And some of them had been things that had been in boxes for about five years that we just hadn't looked at. And so to go through and go, is this something that I need? Is this something that I want to keep? Is this something that when I put it in this box, I wanted to keep it and it had value? Does it still hold value, right? So not unsimilar to things I was talking about when I was cleaning out my closet. But then I came across something, some keepsakes, some clothes, some documents that I didn't even realize at the time, but it was starting to develop a charge within my body, Maybe it was a picture um, from 12 years ago and that picture came with a charge, you know, with it was a reminder of my previous relationship 
um, and all of these various factors that went with that. Maybe it was an article of clothing when my body was different in some way, shape or form. But as I continue to go through all of these articles without even realizing it, it was like my body was building up this charge. And this happens to us all day. We hear something, we smell something, we taste something, we see something, we engage with people and our body is building up these charges because uh, things are being, uh, our nervous system is being activated by the things coming through our five senses. If we don't move our bodies with intention and some intensity, then that stuff in our bodies, it just kind of stays there. Maybe it moves around. Maybe it shifts. Sometimes if it's prolonged, it gets stuck and lodged or it's been there so long that it just kind of feels like, well, this is my home now. And so whether you go for a walk, whether you do some intentional stretching, whether you dance, whether you move around and sing, whether you punch a heavy bag, do push-ups, it doesn't, whatever it is, giving ourselves an opportunity to discharge, to get some of that energy out is super, super, super valuable. And so I know that there are various reasons why people can have or cannot have various intensities of movement. So this doesn't have to be going to going boxing um, and doing a heavy bag, but can you um, do push your back against the wall and just feel the pressure of that. Can you move your arms, even if you're in a seated position, you know, like shaking them out, being able to physically move our bodies, is going to be so helpful for us to kind of metabolize and get a lot of the things that are stored in our body out. So for me, I have made a a decision for myself that um, I need to be discharging every single day. Now, I also recognize that if I set the expectation that I'm going to box every day, um, I am not going to succeed. Uh, Even if I can keep it going for a while, I'm not going to be successful at every day doing that. And so I have eliminated that unreasonable expectation. But what I've done instead is I've given myself four options or I have four options to discharge every single day. And my goal is that every day I am doing at least one of these things. So my options um, that I have are to physically move my body. And I'm choosing at this point in time to specifically um, move my body through boxing. If I don't physically move my body through boxing, then I need to create a piece of art right now. Uh, painting using acrylics to paint on canvas is what I'm doing, but sometimes it might be a sketch or it might be pastel, whatever it is. But creating art is another option that I have. If I don't do those two things, then writing is still an option. Sitting down and writing, whether it's a timed fast write. Or if I elect to do something specifically, uh, tell a story or write a poem. And if I don't do that, then my other option is to do a foot bath detox, which I have um, here at my home. What I appreciate about what I'm doing for myself is there is a level of accountability and structure 
that I am incorporating, but I'm also giving myself enough options that I don't feel stuck. What I realize is that sometimes it's not about not wanting to do something that stops me from doing it. It's a stuck feeling of not feeling like I have a choice. And so the the varying, varying levels of intensity and how much energy uh, I have to exert to get one of these four things done, it, it ranges on, on a, a spectrum. Um, the most physically intensive is going to be boxing. And that is helpful and I like it, but some days I'm, I might just not have it physically. But I also know that the most kind of, um, I don't know, say maybe mentally um, intensive ones will be writing for me. Um, and so maybe some days I just don't have it. One of them, I just sit <laughs> the detox feet in the water. Um, I have a machine that pulls out the toxins and then I just sit, right? So there are these varying levels that I have, but knowing that I have those options gives me a level of freedom that I think will definitely aid in my success of having this goal of doing something every day. When I'm working out, with our personal trainer, um, one of the things that I genuinely appreciate about him, and it also gives me a glimpse at what feedback I've received from other people, is that sometimes he'll say something that I know he doesn't think is necessarily profound or deep. He's just talking and I will catch it and go, wow, that is deep. And I get that feedback from other people. I, I promise you, I don't think I hardly ever wake up or move into a session or a training and go, all right, my goal is to sound super deep and profound. Like that's just not what's happening. I'm just talking. I'm just giving what's in me. And and people have given feedback like, you know, they'll say, man, you said this thing and it really helped me or changed the way I thought. And it wasn't even one of the kind of major points that I do. Maybe you feel that way on the podcast. Something I say in passing can be more impactful sometimes than the things I'm intending to talk about. And David does that. And so one day um, when we were working out, we were coming to the end of our workout and we were doing some core workout. And I re- whatever I did or however I expressed it, he simply said, this isn't a punishment. And I was like, Pew. that was my brain exploding. Wow, this isn't a punishment. And and I began to think of how um, how often and how conditioned I have come to think of movement and exercise as a punishment. It was a punishment for being fat. It was a punishment for my body not looking the way I and other people thought it should look. It was a punishment for all these things. And when he said, this is not a punishment, it caused me to pause and reevaluate how I was relating to moving my body. And so I've taken that and I've internalized that. And now when I think about these four options, none of them are punishment. I am giving myself these four options because I love myself, because I love my body, because I love my spirit, because I love my soul, because I love my family. Because I want to be the healthiest version of myself. And these are ways that are going to get things out. Um, This might feel like TMI, but it's true. I love to poop. 
I really do. It, it, <laughs> you know, some people are not a fan of the process. I love it. Um, whether it's the solitude and quiet or just the fact that like, I am releasing things that no longer serve a purpose from me. I am getting rid of things that, um, that if left could be toxic and harmful to me. And so for me understanding that, how could I not love a process that multiple times daily, often for me, allows me to not hold on to things that are not good for me. In the same vein, I am offering myself an opportunity every day to release mental, emotional, spiritual things, physical things that could eventually become toxic and not serve a healthy purpose in my life. When I stop thinking of it as a chore or a punishment or something I have to do, and it's something I get to do, my whole perspective around it shifts. I find that it's not the thing at the end of the day that I'm like, oh crap, I gotta go do this. But I'm looking forward to it throughout the day. So much that... um I woke up this morning earlier than I normally do. And the first thing was, hey, I'm up. I can get my boxing in early. Not a, let me go ahead and get this over with or I got to do it. But I'm like, hey, I get to get this out early because sometimes my dreams, I don't know if I've talked about my dreams on here or not, but I'm a lucid dreamer, which essentially for me, if I, well, I've kind of looked up to it. So I'm not saying this is the definition of lucid dreamer, but I will say how I experience lucid dreaming is one, I'm aware that I'm in a dream. Um, And so there are certain things about it that I can alter. I can wake myself up out of a dream very often because I recognize as a dream, but my dreams are also extremely real. So I have peed in the bed more times than I cared to admit as an adult because my dreams are so real that I actually thought I was going to the bathroom. So I've developed strategies for myself to know when I am actually sitting on a toilet to be or if I'm dreaming, which means that sometimes I'm going through this protocol when I'm fully awake, but I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I am awake. Go ahead and go to the bathroom. Um, And, but it also means that the intensity of physical sensations and emotional experiences are very real for me. So there are times when I wake up from a dream and if it's if it's a dream heavy night for me, I don't feel rested because I feel like I have been doing whatever I've been doing in my dream all night. It also means that if it's emotionally charged, I wake up like I was really experiencing that thing. So grief Anger, joy are things that I've experienced in my dreams and I wake up and I'm still holding on to not just the residual effects of the dream, but the actual emotions themselves. And so getting up and being able to have a resource to just, you know, release and discharge is very helpful for me. So I'm sharing that one because I like to share with you all. But two, I'm hoping that people begin to devise for themselves options that they will give themselves to meet the goals that they have, but not just for the sake of meeting the goal, but for really allowing yourself to have a quality of life every single day. Every moment is an opportunity for us to be our most authentic selves. Every moment is an opportunity for us to 
explore what our body is communicating and it's a practice. And so um, I wanted to share that. And then uh, I think the final thing that I want to talk to y'all about, but I want to give you um, kind of a warning and caveat is I want to talk about the movie Encanto. So right now, I'm going to tell you uh, all kind of spoilers ahead. So (laughs) if you've made it this far and you realize that you have not seen the new Disney movie Encanto and you want to see it and you do not want, um, you know, it's spoiled for you, now will be a good time to pause and come back to this podcast. Um, I will say that it is an amazing movie. Um, My girls really like it, which means I've seen it a bunch of times. I am going to see it a bunch more and I get something different out of it every time. So with that, here's your opportunity to pause. And for those who either have seen it or don't care about it being spoiled or have no intention of seeing it, I want to just talk a little bit about some of the things I've taken away. I could probably come back and do three more podcasts after I watch it a couple more times. And to be clear, I have only watched it while doing other stuff, right? So the last time I watched it, I was uh, doing my daughter's hair. Um, So I haven't actually sat down to fully go like, let me really experience this movie or even let me take notes or let blah, 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 blah. So this is just off the cuff. So Encanto is a movie about a family Um, and the matriarch of this family, uh, and her husband were displaced from their home after she had just given birth to triplets. And as they are in, they're fleeing, you know, and we don't give a, get a reason as to who the people are who are displacing them or why. But as, um, or at least that I could see as I was watching, but as they're fleeing, being displaced from their home, uh, the patriarch dies. So the matriarch is left alone with her triplets and uh, she's given a miracle as, as she says in the movie. And this miracle um, created like um, safety, like Heels and mountains kind of rose up to protection around them. And and then it built like a home for her. And the magic built a community for other people around her. Um, and I believe that these were also people who were fleeing that this community was built for. And so as her children got older, each one of them received a gift. And that gift was like magical in nature, if you will. Um, One of her children could see visions, one of her children could heal infirmities and um, injury by feeding them and one of them could control the weather. And then as their children had as her children had children, they also received gifts. And so one of the grandchildren could hear um, very well, like from miles away, another could shapeshift and become other people. Um, And uh, one of them was perfect and beautiful and created flowers and roses everywhere she went. And one was given like extraordinary strength. And the main character of this movie, Maribel, um, is a granddaughter of the matriarch. And uh, as she came of age and got ready to receive her gift, she did not receive a gift. 
and uh and then she has a younger cousin who you watch in the movie receive his gift which was the ability to talk to animals and understand them so you're watching this movie and i am just so intrigued by the family dynamics y'all know i love me some family dynamics that's <laughs> why i work with families and in relationships and i think that the characters in this movie are so relatable to so many people. And when I first watched it the very first time, I automatically was like, ooh, that's who I identify with. I identify with this. It was uh, Luisa, the strong sister, the oldest sister, the strong sister. But then as I watched some more, I realized that there are aspects of almost every person that I identify with. Uh, Lynn Manuel did the soundtrack of the original music um so if you listen there you can hear tinges of you know his style which can be heard in Moana and in Hamilton and in um the other one that I didn't see in the heights um but it's just some good stuff so here's just a little bit of how I related. I won't even like go into plot and all this stuff, but I'll just talk about how I related to some of the characters in the movie. And then I hope that I have an opportunity to further this discussion with some folks. So Louisa, the oldest sister, her song is called Surface Pressure. I love that song. Like I was taking a shower the other day and I just played it on repeat. (laughs) My husband came in the bathroom like, are the girls in here with you? And I'm like, nope. I chose this song, but she's the oldest sister. And so she has extraordinary strength. So when I say that, I mean, in the movie, she's physically moving a church. She's uh, a house is leaning and she makes it stand up right. You know, she's collecting donkeys who've escaped and putting them back. So she has extraordinary strength. But under the surface, she feels all of this pressure all and and she in her song she says like she wonders if she's valuable if she's not serving like if she's not helping does she have value and then she goes on to say like the the theme is give it to your sister she's older she can handle it but no one is actually taking the time to say like if you had the same pressure like could you even like you would crumble? And so I identified with that a lot, um, whether it's been as a friend or as uh, however I'm in relationship with people. You know, I have been told so much of my life how strong I am and that particularly for me as a black woman, in some ways used to inspire pride. And now I realize it's a myth that hurts us. Women in general, black women specifically, you know, they're so strong that it leads to this space of um, invulnerability that we sometimes feel that we are in that if we expose that something is heavy, or that we feel weak, or that it's too much, that not only will we have a difficult time understanding our value and worth in that, but that's how everyone is related to us. And so we will feel like we're letting people down, which leads me to something I almost forgot, but this is a good point to say it. Um, 
I had to learn in all of that, this strength and the strong one. I used to also say that like my superpower was um, being able to identify someone's needs before they did and meet them. Then I had to realize it wasn't a superpower, it was a trauma response. But I want to tell you, when I learned to stop turning people's statements into requests, I felt so much less burdened. Okay, when I learned to stop turning people's statements into requests, I'll give you an example of what happens in my house. It is not uncustomary for my son to say to me on a regular basis, I'm hungry. And my response to that is usually, hello, hungry, I'm Shonda. And then he'll go, can I please have something to eat? (laughs) Right? Because I'm hungry is just a statement. But how instantaneously I had previously learned to turn I'm hungry into now I have to feed this child. Well, part of my responsibility is I need to help this child learn that telling me information is not the same as asking me for something. And so as the strong one who I could tell what people's needs were, but because of that, I oftentimes put them in a handicapped position of having to ask. So because I could identify it doesn't mean that everyone else could, first of all. So they would go on to other relationships feeling unfulfilled, disappointed, and angry because I was setting a precedent that as long as you express a statement or make a face that somebody is going to identify the need in that and meet it, it's not realistic. And I was doing things where people might have just been telling me. Maybe they were just giving me information, sharing how their experience was going. But then I would go and take that as me needing to meet a need. Then I feel sometimes resentful, overworked, underappreciated when no one asked me to do that. And so I related to Louisa. Um a lot in that way. Her song Surface Pressure, I'm telling you, like one, it's just I, I like it musically, but it is a it is it's yeah, I related to her. And I thought that was the only person I related to. Like, yes, I identify with her. But then as I really took a time and a couple of times watched it, um Isabel is the main character's middle sister. She's the perfect one. That's how she's described. She's perfect. Um, beautiful and her gift was making things beautiful and creating flowers and uh, rows and rows of roses as she says in her song but there came a point where um, she gets in conflict with the main character the sister does and she ends up revealing like you know the main character is like I'm sorry your life has been so perfect And she's like, perfect. I've been stuck being perfect my whole life, you know, and she reveals that like one of the things that they want from her in the movie is not even what she wants for herself. She's just doing it for the family. And in her um, frustration, she creates a cactus and she sees this cactus and it's like, oh my God, did I make that? Because she's only made roses before. And so she is so intrigued. I think the name of her song is What Else Can I Do? Um, Because she finally realizes that, wait a minute, there's, I can create more than this thing that people have been expecting of me. And as I sat with that, I'm like, man, if that is not my journey right now, 
Being the people-pleasing shapeshifter in recovery that I am, I am really good at producing what people want from me. I, I am usually outstanding at identifying what someone needs, therefore who I need to be or how I need to be in order to make them feel comfortable, to make them not feel guilt or sadness. And so I've been in that way producing roses my whole life. But you know what? Now that I am saying, who am I authentically? Sometimes some cactuses pop up. And you know, the thing about cactuses, I think cacti is I think they're beautiful, but they're prickly, right? They are, they're pretty prickly. And sometimes people would prefer roses over cacti. And what I'm saying is it doesn't matter what people prefer. Here is what I'm producing. Here is who I am. This is what it is. And it doesn't mean I I no longer can produce roses, but it means there's more to me than just what people expect. And so I began to realize that I really related with Isabella as well. Then there was the main character, Mirabelle. Um, and I will honestly say that like, um, I related to, I didn't relate to her as much as I did the other sisters, but she was trying really hard to contribute to her family, even though she wasn't given a gift. And so she had a tremendous amount of care and concern and love and joy and appreciation for her family. But because her gift didn't manifest magically like others, um, oftentimes her value and worth, whether it was her perception of it or others' perception of it was diminished. And I just remember a point in time where I was talking to a really good friend of mine who was very musical. She has, she's a master violist. And I remember talking to her thinking, I don't really have any gifts because my gifts wasn't music. It wasn't art. It wasn't all these things. Well, here's the thing. I can sing. Now, I'm not cutting nobody's album anytime soon, but I can, I can hold a note. And if you put me in a choir, I have a very strong voice and can, can, can really uh, help hold a section together. I'm a soprano. Um, I am an artist and I can paint and I can draw, but because these things weren't reinforced and my gift, this is my gift, this podcast, this is my gift. I show up so authentically and all this stuff, but no one had framed that as a gift at this point in my time. So at this point, we're talking way over a decade ago. And I just remember thinking, I don't have a gift because it didn't look like um, I was used to people talking about gifts. And so I relate to it in that regard, that at one point in time, I really did think I was giftless, which is incredible same because I am so tremendously gifted in so many things. And so I related to that. Um, And just these other things. I think that um, I say that I can hold people with my words and hug them with my presence. Um, You know, I relate to one of the characters who could heal people with her food. I think I'm a healing presence and, you know, all of these things. Um, But what stuck out the most to me that was so profound is the matriarch Um, could be seen, if you watch this movie, as 
uh, maybe cold, especially towards Mirabel, the one, the her granddaughter without a gift, but um, distant. And she was she cared about perfectionism and appearance and all of these different things. And it's so easy to kind of look at people, particularly older generations, and um, be frustrated, annoyed or hurt or angry that they um, are so stuck in their ways. But the reality is this woman had endured all kinds of trauma. Can you imagine giving birth and giving birth to triplets only to be like, have to flee from your home and the only other person that you are doing life with to keep these three humans alive and your partner is killed? And then you're given this miracle and 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 the only thing you know how to do is, is she vowed that the, that the miracle, the gifts that they were given, they would use to help the community. So when she was talking about things having to go perfectly and it seemed like she was being so insensitive, sometimes we don't understand what um, our parents, our grandparents, our great, great grandparents had to go through just so that we could have the lives that we have, even if those lives weren't perfect. And so when we only can see them for their response instead of what they are protecting, what they are, um, what they are surviving against inside, then we, we really do, um, take one of the many dimensions of them away. And I think that was just very powerful, um, and very helpful to me as I think about how I think of my ancestors, whether they are distant ancestors or like my grandmother, who never told me she loved me unless I told her first. But I be, now that I know more of her story and I take her story into account, I realize that she couldn't give me what she didn't have. But yet she did better by my mom than she was done by. Right. And so there is a lot there. I think it tells a beautiful story of many things. You're more than your gift, um, generational trauma and how it passed down, generational resilience. And, and so, listen, if you haven't seen it, um, you know, I don't think I did a whole lot of spoilers. So maybe those who stopped listening will be disappointed. So I didn't do a lot of spoilers in regards to like plot. Um, but the characters, I think, were very well developed. And so for now, I think that's all I want to share. Just that um, every moment of every day is an opportunity for us to be our authentic selves and to um, come in contact and relationship with our bodies and move forward. I know that there are people who are very much in the midst of all kinds of trauma right now. There is still a whole pandemic that's going on. So I don't want to minimize any of that, but hopefully just inspire some hope and give some suggestions of just ways of being through my own experience. And so that's it for today. I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel, who does all of the music for the Labors of Love podcast, to my producer, Jay Sugg of Instant Classic Media, and of course, to you, my guest. Thank you for tuning in. If you have suggestions for content or guest, or if you want to sign up for my monthly newsletter, head over to www.thelaborsoflove.com. Don't forget we're on all the major social media outlets, including TikTok now. And we have our YouTube channel where our Therapy Thursday videos are housed. If you haven't already, please review, rate, and share the podcast. And until we meet again, you all 
be well.